from MPB Think Radio, this is Next Stop Mississippi. I'm Mary Margaret Miller, joined today by Kamel King. As we do every Friday, we are crisscrossing the state, letting you know about the events that make Mississippi great. Today, we will start things off with Mississippi's giant house party, the Neshoba County Fair. That starts today. Next, we go to Money, Mississippi for the rededication of the Emmett Till Freedom Trail marker, and then we'll speak with one of the editors of the Mississippi Encyclopedia. We'll also talk to Shannon McNally and hear about her new album. So stick around, buckle up, and get ready for a ride. Next Stop Mississippi will return right after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi here on MPB Think Radio. I'm Mary Margaret Miller here in the studio today with my good friend and colleague, Kamel King, bringing it in on a beautiful Friday morning. It's steamy out there, but I'll take it. I'll take it rather than a bunch of rain. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Kamel and I have been working hard this week. I visit Mississippi, uh, working with our partners in tourism. We all gathered this week in Jackson yes. to talk about uh, all of the great things coming up in the next year and planning uh, Blues Fest sponsorships right. and, uh, you know, events around the state and uh, a good gathering of, of all these great CVBs and um, tourism partners from, you know, literally the top to the bottom yep. of the state. Yep. I always love when there is something that brings us together because all of the personalities are so electric and everybody from the welcome centers and everybody from the CVBs. I mean, it's just amazing the personalities that push the agenda of Mississippi. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's ex- exactly right, Kamel. And so we've got a great show for you today. We're uh, traveling around the state like we do every Friday with a lot of different um, events happening. Uh, some of these are um, age-old events, some new. We've even got a special interview with um, one of our uh, beloved Mississippi musicians, Shannon McNally. So yes. uh, a good time on the radio. Kamel, do you have plans for the weekend? I don't. I, my daughter and I, we may hit the zoo or, or something like that, maybe the Children's Museum. My weekends are now, it went from living crazy to now uh, watching sprout and things like that. (laughs) (laughs) There is a season for everything. Absolutely. Well, similarly, I I plan a very low key weekend at home. There may be like a kiddie pool involved, um, but headed headed out on a vacation next week. So um, see you. See you later. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, our first guest this morning is Twyla Laverne. She is with the Neshoba Community Development Partnership, and she's on the line this morning to tell us a little bit about the Neshoba County Fair. Uh, Welcome, Twyla. Hi, Mary Margaret. How are you this morning? We are doing really well. I'm uh, probably not as good as you as you're uh, setting up, getting ready for um, the, what do we call it, the uh, the world's giant house party? That's right, Mississippi <laughs> Giant House Party. This is the 128th year, and we've been very busy this week, uh, getting prepared for it and getting ready, and uh, it's always an exciting time here in Philadelphia in the Shelby County. Now, how did it become uh, coined as Mississippi's giant house party? I mean, that's that sounds pretty fun, and you got to do a lot of things to get that kind of title. Well, I think it, I think it started just with the fact that people are there all week on the grounds. I think there's so many activities from the Friday when it starts all the way to the to the next Friday when it closes, and I think that um, it is kind of like one big party. <laughs> 
Well, and and the setup of the Neshoba County Fair, I've I've only been a couple of times, um, but, you know, I I went to college with people who literally, you know, from the cradle were were going to the Neshoba County Fair every year. And it's quite an interesting layout. I mean, you don't, it's not like a state park. It's not like going out to a a cabin per se, but tell our listeners, uh, paint the picture of the Neshoba County Fair. Well, you're right about that. It's, it's, I don't know if there's anything else like it anywhere. Um, I think that's what most first-time visitors say when they come and visit here. Um, well, it's, it's the fairgrounds. They're out on Highway 21 South here in Neshoba County. There's 600 fair cabins on there. A lot of those are passed down from families generation to generation. Um, you said 600 cabins? 600 cabins. Oh, my God. And now they're up to 600 camper spots. Um, wow. A long waiting list. If you, want, if you want to put your camper out there, you can just get on the list. Um, and it's another thing that families just come. Um, most of them take a, a week vacation. As a lot of family reunions happen during this time. And truthfully, a lot of families see each other a lot during this week more than they do the rest of the year. They, they, plan, this, they plan this time together. They come out, and um, they stay there the entire week, and they leave their homes. They pack up. And um, it's just a it, – it's really, it really is family-oriented in a lot of ways. And um, if you're from Neshoba County, if you're from Philadelphia, you grow up, you know, attending it, going to it. And so many people come from really all over the United States to be a part of it. And we have visitors every year that it's their first time to come. And um, it's, it's just nothing else like it. I mean, you really have to go to experience it, you know. Well, in my experience, I went out for a day and I had a great lunch um, there in one of the the cabins um, on Founders Square, which is, you know, kind of the the heart of of the Neshoba County Fair. And it was a great day. But the thing I was most fascinated about um, is these cabins are um, they're like not really wide. They're mostly tall. And and usually, Twyla, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the upstairs level is like one big bedroom. So there might be like... 30 bunk beds yeah. in this one big bedroom. Yeah. And I thought that, to that my... That's correct. Most of them there are two, and some of them are even three stories, and, and they sleep up to 30 or 40 people, and it's just bunk bed after bunk bed, and, and the more you can get in, the better, I think, is the, way, is the way they see it. And so many people have friends and family that come and stay, and um, a lot of them even, I think, have schedules of when somebody's coming, when they're leaving, and the next group's coming, you know, that week. So um, it, it really is a family and friends-oriented event. It really is. So, Twyla, let's get real. What are the tips for sleeping with 20 other people in one room? I mean. <laughs> I would say probably take a sleeping pill. Be sure you sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Earbuds, sound machine, you know, That's sleeping mask. <laughs> That's great. That's My great. My God, 128 years. So, so many generations have, have had this as a part of their yearly thing that they do in a gathering. This has to be very important to families just across the board. It is. It is. It's planned from year to year. Um, you don't make any other plans during during the fair week. I think that's kind of an unwritten rule. You know, you make plans to be there, and uh, you take your vacation time during that time. Um, every year before the fair starts, I always get always get calls here at our office from people that's coming in and they're working on their cabins and they're they're um, maybe changing out some furniture or doing some painting and stuff, and they want some information on where they can can talk to somebody that does this and somebody that could do this. And so, you know, there's upkeep all year round, really, to keep those going. And um, and it's a, it's a lot of work and a lot of money put into it. But I think I think the underlying theme of family and friends really is important here in Mississippi, you know, not just here in Neshoba yeah. County. And I think, the, I think the fair is really a great example of that. Well, and tell our listeners about the Neshoba County Fair cookbook. I think it, that's very exemplary of what we're talking about, that family-friend tradition. Mm. That's right. 
it's uh it's the signature in the Shelby County um, cookbook. It was um published a few years ago and, and um we actually sell it here at the Community Development Partnership. You can buy them here for twenty five dollars. And um it just signifies some of those recipes that's been passed down from, from generation to generation. Some of those um I think what people really say some of those famous recipes that grandma grandma's gonna cook every year for the fair and you always look forward to eating it. So um it's really a um it's really just something else. It's kind of a, a time honored tradition, you know, and I think that it's a great way to, to to memorialize that, to remember that, you know, through that cookbook. So. Well, I, I got a copy of that cookbook uh, as a gift from a friend a few years ago who's a big, mm-hmm. you know, Neshoba County fair, fairian, uh, you know. <laughs> fair goer. <laughs> right, fair goer, exactly. And what I love about it is um, is the portions, you know, they know mm-hmm. you're feeding a crowd, so it's not like this feeds four, it's like this feeds 40. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's so that, <laughs> that's great. So we we know that people are coming to gather in their cabins and spend time with uh, with their family, with friends they may only see once a year. Uh, but you really do have a a long uh, packed week of activities happening on the grounds uh, that are really um, open for everyone. Whether you're spending the night or not, you could come out for the day and enjoy um, some of the activities. So let's talk a little bit about that. Okay. Yeah, we do. We had activities starting um, today, actually, um, tonight, um, Friday night, and first and Saturday night. The first weekend of the fair is always the Harper uh, Morgan Smith Rodeo, so it will be at the fairgrounds tonight. Um, and so that's always a, a big event. Both nights brings a good crowd to that. And then um, every single day there's different events all day long. Um, Saturday will also be the uh, Arts and Crafts Show, the flea market here at the fairgrounds, and that's always a huge event. Vendors come from all over the state. And um, that's always a very popular event for so many people come just to go to the just to go to the arts and crafts show. And then, of course, the Heart of Dixie Triathlon will be kicking off sa- early Saturday morning. The Heart of so, Dixie Triathlon. Correct. Ooh. That's the 38th annual. It actually begins um, in Louisville, and it, it is uh, 35 miles, um, and it's a half a mile swim, and then it's a 27.5 bike ride to. Um, Highway 21, and then it's a seven-mile run that actually ends um, at the racetrack on the fairground. So the Heart of Dixie Triathlon, we have right now 194 contestants that's going to be doing that Saturday morning. And um, it's a huge event. Um, it's a, uh, one of the biggest fundraisers for the Satoma Club, and it's a great event. And uh, it's, it's one of those things that's connected to the Neshoba County Fair. And um, so we're excited about that also. That'll be early Saturday morning, too. That's great. Now, I feel like when I came out for Neshoba County Fair, I went through this one building, and there were all these prize vegetables on display mm-hmm. is that part of a of an annual tradition that is that's actually the exhibit hall there and um by um it's put out by the neshoba county extension service um karen benson and her crew mississippi state university do a great job uh harvin hudson helps with that and so that's the exhibit hall people uh, display their their um vegetables and stuff they have grown lots of uh, arts and crafts displays there and so it's a neat thing we actually the community development partnership we actually have a booth there also and uh, we offer free water to to any guests that come through the exhibit hall and visit that so it is it's, it's a part of the it's a great tradition of the fair, too, the exhibit hall. Now, Twilight, are people uh, who don't have cabins there that don't own them, are they able to rent them? And, and tell us kind of what people can expect if they do want to rent and how far they need to kind of plan it out and, and, and get in touch with uh, the grounds to try to rent a cabin. Uh, no, sir. Cabins are actually not rented at all. They are family-owned. Okay. Uh, families own these cabins. Um, they are their own property, and so they are, they are not for rent at all any time during the year. Gotcha. That's right. So, Kamel, you you need an invitation if you want to spend the night. But, Twyla, we can come out for the day, right? 
of course, you can come out for the day, spend the day there, and uh, there'll be plenty of people, I'm sure, on, on those front porches that visit and talk with you and, and um, will give you a cool shade to sit down and, and cool off a little bit. And um, so it's a, it's, a, uh, it's a good event to, to attend if you've never been, if, if, uh, if, if you're looking for something fun to do, really so, something fun for everybody. You know, there's enough there from midway rides to, uh, to the harness races that'll be going on. There's so much to do, and so, um, so it's, uh, it's a great event to, to uh, take part in. I think probably one of the most um, iconic images from the Neshoba County Fair is that of Ronald Reagan um, with mm-hmm. his wife sitting in his lap in a Greg Harkins rocking chair, the great Mississippi craftsman Greg Harkins. And, and that is part of, um, again, another longstanding tradition at the fair of political uh, uh, speaking, of mm-hmm. political, uh, what do you call it, a stump speech, if you will? Yeah. Um, tell us, um, I know it looks like on Wednesday, the 26th of July, you've got a whole day full of um, political talks, followed up again on Thursday with um, just different uh, lectures and um mm-hmm. That, that is correct. On Wednesday and Thursday, there will be uh, tons of political speaking. It's kind of known as, as um, really kind of the place to speak, I guess. If you're, you know, if you're in Mississippi and if you're, you're one of those people that's serving in politics, you know, to come make a visit here. Um, you reach a lot of different people because there's really people from all over the state, you know, that gather here at the fairgrounds, and so it's a, it's a great diverse crowd, and all that happens at the Founder Square, um, the pavilion there. You can take a seat and. And um, so many people come really to listen to the political speaking. And like, like you said, that kicks off Wednesday and goes into Thursday. And um, so that's, um, that's something that people look forward to every year is that political speaking. What type of music and, and fair food can we expect? Because I'm a big foodie, so I, I'm very interested in that. Yeah. Well, there's plenty of, plenty of great fair food all around the Midway. There'll be tons of vendors and all set up. And um, entertainment, there's nightly entertainment, actually kicks off Tuesday night at the Grandstand. There's entertainment each night. Um, William Michael Morgan will be the entertainment on Tuesday, uh, July 25th. And then on um, Wednesday is Larry Gatlin and the Gatlin Brothers. Thursday the 27th will be Frank Foster. And then Friday, July 28th will be Brother Osborne. And, um, of course, there's also um, music at the Pavilion each night. Different local bands play. So there's plenty of music. And sometimes people even have uh, entertainment at their individual cabins. And so um, there'll be plenty of musical entertainment there that entire week. Well, that's great. And we cannot forget that our friends over at Thacker Mountain Radio will be um, having a live taping there um, in um, Founders Square on Saturday night. I think that's at 8 o'clock. So something special to come out for. Well, Twyla, if folks want to get tickets, if they want to come out and learn a little bit more, um, tell us uh, how they can get in touch. Okay. All right. Um, Well, day passes are $15 each. Season passes are $40 for the entire week. You can buy those at any of the gates there. And um, children 9 and under are actually free. There's no admission cost for kids 9 and That's under. That's great. And actually, um, the Neshoba County Fair Association, they have a website, and it's actually www.neshobacountyfair.org, which is a great place to find all the information you need, maps how to get there, the schedule, if you're looking for something specific you want to come see and, and take part of. So that website's a great, um, a great source of information also. Well, that's wonderful. We've been speaking with Twyla Laverne. She's with the Neshoba Community Development Partnership, and she is gearing up for this year's 128th Neshoba County Fair. So thank you, Twyla. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we're going to talk with Patrick Weems about the rededication of the Emmett Till Mississippi Freedom Trail marker. Yes. A couple of weeks ago, it was vandalized. It's been quickly repaired, so we'll learn a bit about how they're going to rededicate that next week. Yes, indeed. This is Next Stop Mississippi here on MPB Think Radio, and we'll be right back.
raised up beneath the shade of a Georgia pine. And that's home, you know. Sweet tea, pecan pie, homemade wine. Where the peaches grow. In my house, it's not much to talk about. But it's filled with love, just grown in southern ground. And a little bit of chicken fried. Cold beer on a Friday. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi. I'm Mary Margaret Miller here with Kamel King. We're having a great morning so far. Uh, just heard a bit about the Neshoba County Fair and um, sounds like a, a great weekend, a great literal week for uh, for those who make that a tradition and uh, go out every year for that occasion. Definitely. Uh, on the line, we've got Patrick Weems. He's joining us from Sumner, Mississippi, and he is here to tell us about um, the Emmett Till Interpretive Center and the rededication of the Emmett Till Marker, which will take place next week. Welcome, Patrick. Hey, glad to be here. Well, we are so glad to have you. Um, before we get into uh, you know the details about next week, um, tell us a little bit about your work um, there at the Emmett Till Interpretive Center. Yeah, absolutely. So we're we're a part of a, a a group of of citizens in the Delta who've been really working to try to remember the story of Emmett Till. Uh, we started after our community apologized to the Till family ten years ago, and tried to really mark in the sand that what happened fifty years ago, sixty years ago, now um, was unbelievably a tragedy that did not need to happen. A fourteen year old uh, from Chicago lost his life. Um, and then the injustice that, that ensued uh, in, our, in our own community in Sumner. And so uh, we apologize to the Till family and, and dedicated to uh, doing restorative justice, right? So telling the truth, um, setting out markers, restoring our courthouse back the way it looked in 1955 and opening up the Emmett Till Interpretive Center across the street so we could tell that story. Well, and, and with with the work of, of the center there, I mean, you're working locally, but you also work with groups from around the world. Yeah, absolutely. So we've, we've got partners uh, from around the country and around the world, um, uh, from Japan to University of Kansas to Florida State, uh, working on trying to develop our site to become a world heritage site. Um, people really look to this incident as a, a trigger, as this catalyst for the start of the civil rights movement. Um, and we know how broad-reaching the civil rights movement was. And, and so when Rosa Parks, when they really identified and said, what, what was your motivation? Uh, she said, I was thinking about Emmett. Yeah. I couldn't look back. Mm. Well, Patrick, when uh, the community apologized to the Teal family, and I'm sure that wasn't uh, you know, something that was able to be put together very quickly, but when it did happen, what do you think it did for the community at large and, and for the healing Right. I, I, absolutely. So, I mean, I think there was a large cloud over the community, right? So uh, after the men confessed to the murder months afterwards, uh, the community really did not want to talk about it, uh, both black and white. And so when Jerome Little, uh, the first African-American board supervisor, organized the Till Commission, he reached out to the William Winter Institute for Racial Reconciliation, uh, and it, it began a process of saying, um, you know, how do we take that first step in reconciliation? And, and we understand that's a process, and it's not going to happen overnight. But 
uh, apologizing, and it, it was a, definitely a, a first start. Well, and and I think you know, uh, as you went on down this project, this this line of of work, um, the restoration of the courthouse there has proven to be quite powerful in a lot of different ways. Yeah, exactly. So we knew that was going to be worse than just a piece of paper if we didn't uh, follow the, the, that apology up with action. Um, so for the next eight years, we we worked to restore a courthouse, um, and now we talk about. Uh, the, the, that was the easy work, um, and now it's the much difficult work of restoring our community. So we've been using arts and storytelling as a way to pra- process past pain, but also a way to imagine new, new possibilities for the future. So we've worked with Barefoot Workshops to do community documentaries. We've had Thacker Mountain Radio come do our grand opening. Um, and so we're looking forward to other events and, and storytelling as, as a way to kind of continue this process. Now, do you guys uh, still continue your forgiveness day? Yeah, so we're we're working on the the day of forgiveness. Um, if people want to check out um, um, Emmett-Till.org, um, we're we're hoping to commemorate that event. Um, we're still working on the details of it, uh, but hopefully have something together uh, either this fall or next spring. And, and we've got people working on Emmett Till movies. We've got people that have done plays. So. We want to bring those people together and use the space, use that courthouse where that injustice happened to uh, start to tell new stories, start to reappropriate that space that was used for ill to for good. Now, Patrick, has the uh, center kind of gotten more activity since the statements uh, from Carolyn Bryant, you know, were admitted uh, that she gave false statements and, and, you know, that, of course, started the whole thing? Has it brought more activity to your center? You know, um, it, 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 it has, uh, but, but ultimately what it's done is it, it's opened up a new, um, a new possibility for, um, for justice. Mm. So I know uh, the FBI is actively looking into the case again. Um, they have new information after that book came out. Um, so we'll, we'll, we're, we're holding tight uh, to see what happens um, in that next chapter. Uh, but um, it's, it, it, you know, this happened over – 60 plus years ago, but it, it stays, it's been relevant and it continues to be relevant. Yeah. Well, and uh, one of the, the things I've learned through the work of the center and uh, through what you're doing with the Emmett Till Memory Project is, um, you know, sadly, this this was not um, a, a murder that happened in one location. Yeah. Uh, you guys have literally mapped all of the different places and spaces that were part of this uh, terrible, terrible incident. Um, and so uh, part of that um, includes um, a, a new a smartphone app that sort of does the work of, of of what we see on the Mississippi Freedom Trail marking spaces, but you're doing it in a very 21st century sort of way. Yeah, that's the hope that we, 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 we uh, and we'll, we'll, maybe we'll talk about the vandalism in a second, but we've, we've had these continued uh, vandalism uh, acts that have uh, on our signs and, and the community uh, of Tallahatchie County first put out signs, and then uh, the Visit Mississippi was able to put up another sign. And um, we would have incidences like our highway marker, um, where the Emmett Till Memorial Highway had KKK written on it, uh, the mm-hmm. first marker that was put out. Um, other signs were shot up. Others have been stolen. So uh, we developed the Emmett Till Memory Project, and it's doing exactly that. How do we tell this story in the 21st century? How do we use new technology? Um, we're awaiting a National Endowment for Humanities grant uh, to redevelop our app. 
Um, so it'll be very similar to the Blues Trail app um, so that people can go to these sites and, and they will be able to use their apps to download information, see videos, really know the story. Um, and, and that way, if we have to replace the signs, we will. Uh, but we know the information and the truth will still be out there. Well, and and leading into um, and you know our uh, kind of current event associated with this interview, uh, the Mississippi Freedom Trail was established in 2011. Uh, the first marker going up was that at Bryant's Grocery mm-hmm. honoring Emmett Till. And um, throughout uh, the past six years, we've we've ne- vandalism has has not been a problem for the Freedom Trail uh, until um, back in June when yeah. when our uh, Emmett Till marker was vandalized. So Patrick, tell tell folks about that how it kind of came into national attention yeah so there it was a, a very unfortunate event um, that that like you said this marker had never been vandalized it's one of the, the more uh, notorious sites so this is the site where the incident between Emmett Till and Carolyn Bryant took place um, there's lots of different versions of that story what happened there but it's the it's the very spark uh, that incident that then led to the kidnapping and then to the brutal murder of Emmett Till. So it's, it's this very important site. And so um, people come from all over, including a group of students from St. Louis who are doing a cultural exchange, a, a type of racial reconciliation tour of, of the South. They wanted to come to that site, and they found it, and, and it, was, uh, it was totally blacked out. Somebody had scraped it off, had, had, had vandalized it to where you couldn't even read uh, the back side of the marker. And so these young students uh, took it upon, upon themselves uh, to put up a temporary marker. So right away after this, this hate speech, there was um, some, some truth-telling, and so they created their own marker uh, and, and put up their own exhibit there on the sign. And um, soon after, uh, Alan Hammonds and Visit Mississippi really – spurred into action, um, and they immediately took the sign down um, and replaced replaced the side that had been vandalized. And we're really looking forward to this Tuesday, uh, this upcoming Tuesday, July 25th, which is Emmett Till's birthday. Um, so he would have been 76 years old uh, this July 25th. So at 10 a.m., we'll be rededicating that sign and telling the world that we as Mississippians we know this story is important, and we need to continue to tell it so it doesn't happen to other young people. We want to make sure this never happens again. Well, I know I plan on attending, and I can't wait to be there, uh, you know, as a man, as a black man, and as an American, you know, just yeah. to uh, see the rededication uh, because outward uh, hatred that, you know, manifests itself physically like this, uh, although very sad and tragic, it really spurs some of the best in us. And I think the rededication, and, and I know you feel the same, Patrick, is going to help with that. And, and it's going to be a springboard for wonderful things to happen in spite of. That's exactly right. And so I hope I encourage everyone, uh, if you're in the area, if you you know come up from Jackson, um, and, and let's, let's show the world that, that we are standing united um, that, that says that this was an awful tragedy, but we have changed and we're going to continue to tell this story uh, despite opposition. 
Well, Patrick, thank you. Um, thank you so much uh, for the work you're doing. I um, encourage yes. folks to go visit emmettill.org. That's E-M-M-E-T-T-Till, T-I-L-L, dot org, uh, to learn more about what's going on with the Interpretive Center. And uh, and again, invite folks to come out on Tuesday, July 25th at 10 a.m. That's County Road 518 in Money, Mississippi, for this, um, this rededication of the Mississippi Freedom Trail Marker at Bryant's Grocery. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back and hear a little bit more um, or a little bit about the Mississippi Encyclopedia. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi. I'm Mary Margaret Miller here with Kamel King, and we are traveling the state learning about what's happening around Mississippi this weekend and Throughout next week, we just talked to Patrick Weems with the Emmett Till Interpretive Center in Sumner, Mississippi, learning about the rededication of the Emmett Till Freedom Trail marker, which will be next Tuesday in Money at 10 a.m. Hope folks can make it out for that. Uh, Moving along, uh, an entry, which I am sure is in the new Mississippi Encyclopedia, Mm -hmm. is certainly the story of Emmett Till. But here on the line to tell us more about the Mississippi Encyclopedia is Dr. Ted Owenby. Uh, Welcome, Dr. Owenby. Hey, Mary Margaret, how are you? I'm great. It's great to have you on the line. Uh, Ted Owenby is the director for the Center for the Study of Southern Culture, my alma mater, which I'm very proud to say. So it's uh, great to have you on the phone today, Dr. Owenby. I I think you might be on the side of Highway 55 somewhere. I am. I'm watching Mississippi drive by as we speak. Well, that's great. And uh, today you are southbound to the Mississippi Gulf Coast for one of the many um, uh, book signings, uh, celebrations of this long-awaited, much, much-anticipated Mississippi Encyclopedia. So tell our listeners a little bit about this project. Mississippi had not had an encyclopedia since 1907, so it's time to, to do that. And uh, uh, in the 1990s, early 2000s, a lot of states were doing encyclopedias of one kind or another, and uh, uh, the University Press of Mississippi came to the Center for the Study of Southern Culture because of uh, that institution, our institution's success in doing it. Uh, it took longer than we planned to, of course. Projects generally do. Uh, it's a collaborative project. It's about um, almost 1,500 pages, about 1,400 entries, um, more than 600 contributors, um, and the goal is um, to, to have a big inclusive picture of the state and its people and its topics and uh, everything that you'd expect done well and a lot of things that you wouldn't expect. Um, and uh, so far, so far, just about everybody who's read it has, has uh, enjoyed all or part of it. Well, Doctor, talk a little bit about the original study of the Southern Culture uh, Encyclopedia. Yeah, the Encyclopedia of Southern Culture kind of helped put the Center for the Studies of Southern Culture on on the map as a as a as an academic institution. Um, because it came out in 1989, um, and it was uh, it had the goal of saying that everybody in the South 
matters. Um, famous and not famous, people with power, people that without power, all groups, uh, all issues, much as they, as much as they they could do that. And it uh, it was also important. You know, it's important in that kind of goal of inclusiveness of all sorts of, of, of ways, but also important in the, the sense that um, the Center for the Studies of Culture became you know, a place that gathered scholarly material and put it all together and edited it and kind of um, um, made it available. So so we we, we became important as a as a kind of gathering point for scholarly material, trying trying to make scholarly material also available to a, to a, a broad audience, not just including academics. So this encyclopedia is much more than a history book. Absolutely, no, it, it has a lot of a, a lot of things about the present. And uh, tell us a little bit about how how you're seeing people use the encyclopedia. I know that, you know, when I was a a young girl, if I wanted to know about something, you know, my parents pointed me towards the world books, you Mm -hmm. know, on the shelf. So tell us about how um, how you're seeing people use it, maybe ways you didn't expect. Um, I'm still waiting to hear a lot of those stories. I'm looking forward to to people uh, making uses of, of this so far, you know, people, people. You know, it's still new. It came out in, in mid-May, and uh, uh, we're hearing people astonished by the size of it. It is about nine pounds. Um, it's the biggest book the University Press uh, has ever, the largest book the University Press has, has ever done. So it's, it's not a lot of uh, coffee tables. It's it's uh, a lot of, some people put it on kind of those, uh, what is it, a, a Lazy Susan, where it's, you know, it's always available just to move around and, and uh um, so far, people uh, have been have told me how important it is, you know, that they go to look something up, and then 45 minutes later, um, they looked at 20 other entries because it, it kind of pulls you in as A to Z format. So, so when you go to look up, um, you know, what was the difference between Governor Paul Johnson Sr. and Paul Johnson Jr.? I don't know. Let me find that. And then there are far more interesting questions on either, either side of the Johnsons. And uh, um, and uh, no, we, we imagine it. Uh, um, you know, for scholars, for for students, there's going to be an online version uh, next year, so teachers could more easily avail make it available. Um, we imagine it for people, um, you know, traveling, coming to Mississippi. Um, you know, it's not a it's not designed for that purpose, but we imagine that people use it for those purposes as well. Saying, oh, that's interesting. Let me go. Didn't know about that. Let me go find out more about that and possibly. Um, uh, visit. Imagine in a lot of offices, newspaper offices, law offices, um, yeah. uh, uh, all sorts of ways. Now, uh, Dr. Omi, you've been uh, to Washington, D.C. to celebrate the Mississippi Encyclopedia. As, Encyclopedia. as we said, you're headed to, I believe, um, the Gulf Coast today um, for another uh, big book event. Um, tell us a little bit about this tour, and, and maybe if we, we don't know quite how people are using the encyclopedia yet, how are they receiving it? I mean, what's, what's the spirit around, around the book? Uh, the, spirit, the spirit's been uh, been good and and kind of excited and uh, um, yeah I'm going to uh, and Charles Reagan co-editor we're both going to uh, uh, Pat Christian uh, past books this afternoon at five thirty and and uh, to the Mary C O'Keefe Center in Ocean Springs uh, tomorrow the uh, Library of Congress event was uh, was important um, because uh, and Congressman Gray Harper is in the Library of Congress uh, committee and he got us. Uh, <laughs> in the room, and it was just extraordinary. 
and uh, you know, kind of a gathering of Mississippians and people who care about Mississippi and Washington D.C. Um, all there with you know, with different you know, different backgrounds and interests and and responses to uh, you know, to what should be there and what shouldn't be there. Um, when you're asking about uh, how people respond. Uh, I thought I'd be really defensive, and it's turned out that, that I'm not so defensive about their, their immediate responses. Um, well, is this person in there? Why not that? And and usually when they ask that question, they're right that that person should be in there or that topic, um, and maybe it. But uh, um, responses have been um, um, first the response to the cover. The cover is uh, I know we're on we're on radio, but the color is the cover is a. Uh, uh, a work of glass art um, that mm-hmm. doesn't represent any obvious image of Mississippi. It's not soil types or political units, or a, uh, it's not a, a sure. yeah. and uh, and so it kind of invites people to say, "I don't know what this image of this set of images of Mississippi will be," and uh, and that's exciting. Um, and I think it's you know it's as as Patrick Williams was talking about this. This is an important moment moment in time in, for Mississippi to be you know confronting lots of uh, you know, lots of topics, lots of questions, lots of, you know, the relationship between, you know, telling the truth and how do we remember and how do we um, uh, how do we expand what we know? Right. And and this and this encyclopedia does offer that really unvarnished version of of Mississippi stories, um, not just Mississippi history. So, uh, Dr. Omi, we appreciate you being on today. Uh, if folks want to come out, uh, you can come to Pass Books and Pass Christian tonight from 530 to 7. Uh, there will be a bit of a Q&A at 6. So um, and then everyone, please look forward to the Mississippi Encyclopedia event on Thursday, August 17th. That will be part of the Mississippi Book Festival here in Jackson, a Great. statewide event that will be here in Jackson. Now, we, we do need to take another quick break, um, but we'll be right back um, after this. If you want to give us a call and tell us about what's happening in your community, that's 877-MPB-RING, and we'll be right back after this break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. There's a valley of sorrow in my soul Where every night I hear the thunder Like the sound of a distant gun Over all the damage I have done And the shadows filling up this land Are the ones I built with my own hands There is no comfort from the cold Of this valley of sorrow in my soul There's a river of darkness in my blood Through every vein I feel flood Welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi. I'm Mary Margaret Miller. A really nice uh, uh, intro back oh, into... Oh, what a treat. 
back into today's show. That was Prayer in Open D by Shannon McNally. She is our next guest on Next Stop Mississippi and really happy to have Shannon on the line to talk to us today about Black Irish, her new album. Uh, welcome, Shannon. Shannon. Thank you. Hi, guys. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I believe you're calling in from somewhere uh, out east, uh, far away from home, out sharing uh, the good, good music on this new album. Yeah, well, I'm in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Wow. Well, Shannon, I just have to say, uh, I, I got to see you and was privileged to be able to see you at the Mississippi Bicentennial event uh, at in Oxford at the Gertrude Ford Center. And, oh, my God, you were just amazing. So magnetic. You just stunned the entire crowd. You really control that stage when you perform. Well, thank you. Now, Shannon, this is uh, your first album since 2013, a beautiful uh, collection of music, both original music and, and songs from some of uh, great, great songwriters. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about the backstory of Black Irish and how it came to be? Sure thing. Um, well, um, I made this record with my very good friend Rodney Crowell. Uh, Rodney, uh, is for those of you who don't know Rodney, He's an amazing songwriter. He's been, um, he's from uh, Texas, and um, but he's been working with Emil Harris for forever and Roseanne Cash, and he's really just a tremendous uh, songwriter. He and just he makes his own records, of course, amazing records. And um, I've known him some time, and um, we were talking. We talked a long time about making a record, and uh, for about four three or four or five years, something like that. I lost Wow. That. <laughs> uh, but he was busy making records uh, with, you know, his own, he made a couple of records in that time, and then he also made a couple of records with Emily Harris, who, uh, of course, is just a goddess. And um, so uh, we were, we talked a long time about, you know, what kind of record would we make? And, uh, you know, he, uh, he's a, he has a very uh, deep, deep catalog of American roots music and um, deep appreciation of, uh, of all things American music. Uh, and he's very fond of the North Mississippi Hill Country Blues. Um, and, um, you know, I'd spent a lot of time up there, of course, um, playing. And, and uh, so we wanted to bring some of that uh, to the record. And we also, uh, the, our attitude, though, was sort of let the best song win. Hmm. You know, um, so I, I wasn't... I think a lot of artists get kind of hung up on, um, on, on, <laughs> um, they've got to write everything. Right. And, yeah. The original music. So, yeah, I get it. And I completely get it. And, and I understand particularly people who are just, it, it comes to them, they can't stop it. You know, it's just so much coming through. But I also have a feeling that, um, you know, I, I care deeply about roots music. And one of the things that it most, it most needs is to be remembered and to be yeah. remembered great songs have to be sung and um you know i i realize that making making a living in, in the music business is next to impossible for most people and for most artists regardless of how talented they are or driven um but if you're not making you know pop music on a on a very very uh, sort of um, corporate level, it's very it's very difficult yeah. uh, to survive. Yeah. And so I understand the drive to you know you, you really make the only time you make money on the back end is if you've written it. 
And so the drive is to write everything. And I get that, and it's completely valid. Mm-hmm. But I also think that as an archivist on some level and as a, as a, as a, as a, you know, a student of music, that it's very important to sing songs that you don't want them to die. And that's, that's how you keep them alive, is by singing them. And it's an oral tradition. American music has always been something that is passed along. Um, and once it's ingrained in memory, it, it will live. It really will live forever. So I really do think that, as a songwriter, it's very important to sing other people's songs. And I think that if it's sort of this collective, you know, it's a grandiose idea. But I do believe that it's a collective um, reality. Well, and I couldn't agree more. A friend um, it turned me on to Black Irish. I have the CD in my car, and I was driving along one day listening uh, to the album, and I literally like, kind of like, you know, made note of the number because I said, "This is beautiful." So I'm yeah. looking through, looking through the the notes in the CD liners, and and I noticed that the song that I had heard it was a Stevie Wonder song I never knew. So it really kind mm-hmm. of turned me back to, um, you know, a, a little bit of a Stevie Wonder kick. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh sure, my pleasure. Everybody should have a CD Wonder kit just about every day. I think <laughs> yeah, make the world a better place. <laughs> now, Shannon, kind of tell us what is uh, about the evolution from you know jukebox sparrows all the way to Black Irish because Black Irish seems like it's a very personal album, and uh, I know you may have had some help writing it, but it, it seems very close to you, but, you know, the expansion of you between then and now, can you kind of tell us about that evolution? Sure. Well, um, you know, one, there's 20 years between the two, essentially. Um, And um, I was just getting, you know, jukebox sparrows. I, I think, essentially, we are who we are, and we grow to be more of who we are. And so... I think that nothing, uh, essentially nothing has changed uh, about m- myself as a musician and, a, and, a, and, a, and it, I've grown and I've learned more and, I've, and, and things have become, they've gotten deeper. But I think I started out with all of this in me. And it's been a matter of realizing it and having life experience and meeting people along the way and trusting those things that are uh, you and learning to trust those things that are you because, you know, you, it, it gets challenged at every step. And so when you look back and you see the, where, where the consistent fight was, that's you. And so where you're consistently trying to do this thing, this thing, this thing, and, you know, um, all of the other forces are, are trying to pull you off of that. Now, that's not to say that you're not being molded and, and you're not learning as you go. I, um, whether I, I don't know that I've always set out to do it with a, with a larger intent past I wanted to, but I wanted to, I've always wanted to be the least knowledgeable person in the room. I always <laughs> want to be, I always want to have a lot of headspace, you know? <laughs> yeah. I want to know that I'm surrounded by people who really know what they're talking about and that I can trust them, you know, because people who really trust, who really know what they're talking about, um, I've found the best in the business, the best musicians, the best songwriters, they're not egomaniacs. It tends to be the other way around. It yeah. tends to be the people who really 
you know, they're they're struggling inside with something that they want to impose their their will on you. So it's this fine balance between hooking up with people who are going to mentor you and bring out what's in you and give you the tools that you need. You know, masters create masters. And uh, love that. Not, masters create masters. You know, a master craftsman teaches somebody how to become a master craftsman so that they don't need, you know, so that you don't need to have a master there, you know, another craftsman there. Right. The idea is that you learn these skills so that you can do it and then you can teach it to somebody else. That's, that's the real process. Well, uh, Shannon, you know, with that in mind, uh, we, we just have a few minutes left in the show, and I, I want to share uh, another song off of the album. So um, as we go into into our uh, last few minutes of the day, we want to say thank you for making time to call in. But uh, let us know, um, how, how do you want to leave us today? What song should we go out with? <laughs> well, um, oh, there's, there's, there's a bunch of good ones, but um, <laughs> I guess because uh, we're in Mississippi how about we uh, play um, the stuff you gotta watch? You know, it's a muddy waters tune, and uh, let's just uh, give a shout out to Muddy. <laughs> you live in Mississippi now, don't you? I do, I do. Well, when I'm not traveling, I'm in Oxford. <laughs> well, we wish you safe travels. You're all over uh, the East Coast and then across the pond on tour. So, uh, folks, I encourage you to go out and visit ShannonMcNally.com. That's Shannon McNally, M-C-N-A-L-L-Y.com. Pick up a copy of the album and enjoy. Uh, it has been a great day on air here at MPB Radio. I want to thank Kamel King for uh, being in, uh, in the studio with me thank today. You. As well as Java Chapman in the booth. Java! Please stay tuned. Southern Remedy for Women is up next.